Hey everybody, welcome back to BK's Bullets Video Games Edition. As always, I am here for the 19th time with Jim Afanis talking video games. Is this really the 19th The 19th, time? I believe, because if you listen to Comic Timing 200... Yes. Oh no, this is 18th, sorry. 18th. I already fucked up the intro. <laughs> the 18th time. Okay. 18th. I, I think uh, what was happening is I was thinking 18 in my head, like the last couple oh, days. Oh, this, okay. When gotcha. you started talking about doing this, so and then fresh, I fumbled it and went one more. Fresh 19th. Um, I, I didn't realize this was 18, because we used to do a lot more at your apartment. Yes. And then you got married, and then we did a couple less, and then you had kids, and now it's an annual thing. It's pretty much an annual thing. Which is fine. I look forward to it. Well, with next year, I think we're going to be doing more with the new console releases and all that. I'm excited. Uh, schnickery-doos and all that. The old schnickery-doos. <laughs> all the schnickery I don't know. A lot of a lot of prognosticating to come next year. I'm excited. But yes, yeah, so we started in twenty October 2012. So Wow. There you go. And look at this. Look at us now. Look at us now. Still best friends. That's true love. Incre- incredible. So, All right. So we're going to talk about the year in review, yes. 2019 review of video games. Yes. And Jim, as usual, has crafted an entire page of topics for us, a list of things he thinks are important. Yes. And then we will do that. And then at the end, we will do the our, top I, games of our year. I agree with this. Okay, so I went through Wikipedia has an official article. I knew a lot of it from memory, believe it or not. I really did. But I went through Wikipedia. There is an entry called Video Games in 2019. It is long. And I read the entire thing. And I picked out things that, to me, were important that happened this year. So the first one, and this is in calendar order. But I, don't rem- I didn't write down the dates. So just know that the first things I'm reading happened... January-ish. The last thing I'm reading was pretty frequent, or recent, rather. The first one was Google Stadia was announced and released in the same year. So the reason I thought that was significant was, if you remember, PlayStation had their Gaikai service that they spent hundreds of millions on to get streaming service, which totally flopped. You have um, Xbox doing Project xCloud. Everybody was scared of Google because Google had a lot of money and a lot of server power. And everybody was like, oh, crap. When Google comes out, we are going to just totally be sunk. Right, because Microsoft has the Azure centers. Yes. They're very powerful. Correct. Google is, I think, the one that has the most. Then Microsoft, then actually Amazon is the third. Correct. For all these server hubs and, and yes and if you remember the fear i don't know if you follow video games as closely as i did but the amount of press releases and talking that both sony and microsoft did in preparation for big bad google and it's funny in hindsight stadia is a total flop a total disappointment on every stretch on sales on experience on everything but that really did shape. I think Project X Cloud came out a lot faster because of their fear that Google was going to steal that market. Well, I think they knew that it wasn't going to do very well, and that's why it's still an open beta. That could be true. Or whatever. So, Except yeah. if you're on iOS, which part of me starts to think, is this ever going to come to iOS at all? I mean, you look at the mark, you look at the cell phone market, and that's yes, true. Right. Android is a very big percentage of the market. But so is iOS. And I thought, 
because most apps are developed for iOS first, and then they get ported to Android or whatever. That's because true. I guess developing for it is easier. I don't know if that's necessarily the case with the streaming stuff. I'm not sure, or if the way Apple handles all of their money is a lot more. Uh, you know, you you would think. I guess here's where I'm going is that Google with Stadia and the Chrome browser and the Pixel 3 and the future thing of anybody running a Chrome browser can have Stadia running, which means all these Android phones right. will be running Stadia services, could be or can be in their near future, that there would be more hiccups for Microsoft to launch a competing service True. in beta on Android and that maybe Apple would have reached out a hand and say, no, do your beta on us first because we don't have a service even though they have the Apple Arcade stuff. Right. But it's not really – it's two different things, right? I agree. I, it's weird because I know a lot of stuff comes to Android for – I mean it makes sense. Like uh, Google Maps, for example, there's a lot more features right now on – Well, yeah, that's their platform, right. so of course. They, so I understand that they get stuff first, but yeah, I got the I, I signed up for the uh, XCloud beta and I got in, but I don't have an Apple, so I didn't use it. And I'm like, okay, you should download it on Rachel's phone. I guess I, I don't really. I would do a quick YouTube video and delete it. I mean, I would just rather play upstairs anyway. But um, so that was I thought that was important news to talk about only because you always think of like gaming as you got your big three. And there's always somebody who's always trying to make an appearance. We had Ouya a couple of years ago. Atari's been trying to make a Ouya return. Ouya wasn't even trying. They were running my Android games on there. Neo G- well, yeah, but no, at the time, it was just the hype of what's coming next. Sega brought out their Mini, which I know technically is part of Nintendo. You had uh, Neo Geo release, a miniature console, and now Google has come and pretty much already vaporized. They're, I don't think the service will be around in five years. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, next thing in order was the um, Xbox and PlayStation were announced for the next generation, which usually they said it will come out in 2020, which usually PlayStation announces their big console in February. They did it early this year. Microsoft's been very good about teasing in one E3 prior. So we had the Scorpio reveal a year before, then they announced it, then it came out that holiday. So uh, we could look forward to PlayStation 5 and Project Scarlet and now Project Lockhart coming out next year. So I'm excited. So Lockhart is supposed to be like the discless version? Not only is it discless, it's more of along the lines of the S. So it's going to be lower processing power, um, uh, okay. more upscaling stuff. And that's where a lot of the controversy is coming from right now is that um, you know you got to always code to the lowest common denominator. So if PlayStation is saying we're only going to have one console that's this level of performance and Xbox is like we're going to offer a mid-tier and like a low-tier, people are like, oh, does that mean my, my games aren't going to look as good because they've got to be coded to the lower end? I don't know. Remains to be seen. It's a lot of speculation right now. But this is the earliest PlayStation has ever announced well, a console. They're, they're all PC architectures. And the, the joy are. of coding for console, I believe, I'm not a co- coder, but... You know what all the specs are. You know exactly how it's going to perform. And so they release all these games on PC with all these different hardware configurations and sound cards and graphics cards, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to account for all that, whereas now you're instead of just talking about one, you're only talking about two. That's true. So they should be more experienced, especially with Microsoft putting all their games on PC Game Pass as well. So they're they're also going to be doing that process. So maybe it's not a big deal. 
It's hard to say. I mean, I just did a recent review on Halo Reach, and I was noticing on PC that when they port games over from console to computer, they don't really put a lot of settings in there. So um, not settings you would typically expect to see on computer are missing. Um, so the fact that they don't have... The fact that they've kind of do it for you in the background makes me wonder, you know, how bad... I don't think games are going to look bad. I don't think that's even a thing. But it makes you wonder if Xbox is going to go down the route of, oh, okay, you install the game, and oh, because you have the Scarlet, the more upgraded of the two systems, you have to download an additional texture pack or there's additional something in the background. Uh, it's not the most elegant solution, but it's it's. I think the more interesting thing is that they're very clearly going to stick with two. PlayStation's just going to do one. But the fact that they announced them so early is kind of surprising. Well, I think they're afraid of the price war that happened to them last time. Yeah. You know, they were 100 bucks more yeah. than the PlayStation 4, and they lost out on the price war. Whereas now they know that they have a specific segment of people that have the Xbox One X True. that want the most powerful thing, and they have a segment of people that don't care that have been True. buying the S's and the digital, ver- the sad version Xbox One S all digital edition, Sade or whatever. Sad, yeah, they're all just sad, yeah. They're the sad and the, but, the happy. Is you know, the so if, if the Project Lockhart thing is actually lower priced right. than the regular and also lower priced than the PlayStation 5, True. then I think, you know, business-wise, they're probably thinking they're going to sell more. And that therefore, that will launch Xbox again to be the market leader in terms of percentages and machines sold. Because they can just say Xbox 4 or whatever the hell they're going to call it right. sold this many units, and it's both those SKUs in one. What are they going to call the next console? The Y? Xbox One Y? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Xbox. I hope it's not Xbox Xboxing. One anything. Okay. I hope it's Xbox... Could they go Xbox Two? ...and one other thing. I, I'd be fine with them naming it the Scarlet or the Durango or whatever yeah, the hell like a fun. car sounds like. I, I don't want a graphics card name like the RX 5300. You know, I don't <laughs> want that bullshit. Doesn't exist yet. Just give it a name. <laughs> It wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about our favorite game, Destiny. <laughs> so I put this news bullet on there that Bungie gains independence from Activision. They're back to owning their own IP to releasing their own stuff. And also in 2019, Brent gave up on Destiny. That's, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to jump slightly ahead, but there is a topic in here uh, or a, a note I put on here. Um, games as a service burnout. And in parentheses, I wrote Anthem, Division 2, and Destiny 2. So I think you're right. I think those are kind of hand in hand. You finally caught up to what a lot of people have been feeling is that there's too many games as a service and that just because Bungie owns the rights to their IP, so what? No one plays it anymore and people are done with that. We're shifting back towards single player games. Well, I think Destiny really, Destiny 2 really has a problem with they stopped making the game a long time ago, well, even from the beginning, in Destiny 1, yeah. they stopped making the game for casual players in the middle of that True. to focus solely on the hardcore. And they went so hardcore that when they adjusted for the casual people to bring people in for Destiny 2, remember people were bitching and complaining. I like the way Destiny 2 ran to begin with when it first launched. And people were bitching and complaining that it was too it, too simple, too easy, yeah. no end game, etc., etc. They totally pivoted away from that with the... What was the last expansion? Shadow Keep. F- no, not that. The one before that. The Forgotten. Oh, um, okay. Where Cade got killed. Yes. You didn't play it. Forsaken. Forsaken. That's the last expansion I played. And while it was a good expansion, I enjoyed it, the single player parts of it. Yeah. 
once you finish the campaign, then they said, oh, here's this uh, spire that they're for, uh, forsaken or no, who's the the, taken, the blue guys, the, cobalt, the blue aliens, cobalt, no, this <laughs> shows you how long I've been out of Destiny, the Awoken, Awoken, oh, this is it. where the Awoken Queen lives and stuff like that, Oh yeah. so you can go here and this is like your new endgame playground for single player stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, cool, but then you jump in there and there's a huge power gap yeah. between where I ended up at the end of the game just playing through the single player missions, not yeah. doing anything else. A lot of grinding. So it was basically I was going to have to grind and get little points, little points, little points. Yeah. I would have had to grind for like three months just doing dailies and stuff before I could have enough power to actually go in there and fight everything in this new endgame location right. because I wasn't raiding or doing any of this other stuff. And it was at that point that I went, okay, they're no longer doing this for casual players. This is purely for people who play all day, every day, and log in and play three hours a night and then log off. Like, this is their only single game. And that's where I said, I'm done with Destiny. I don't know if I'll check in if they release another big game, but... And the lore never really made sense either, and they never really rectified that. They always went with this confusing bullshit. They really do have to feed to their fan base which is limited so it makes sense that the hard, most hardcore people would be included that really happened in halo competitively too the same thing and it's happening now in reach it's the same thing it's there's only a small subset of people left well they're still playing let's make them happy so you have to choose that's the problem with the games as a service really if you're not on on day one or it's your only game you're gonna get left behind they've already releasing raids and additional content and ghost recon i haven't even finished the main story I'm already out of it. I can't even catch up now. It's too late. Yeah. And, th- and I think that's a terrible thing for games. I agree. I agree. And I think a lot of people are kind of over that now. I think a lot of people, there's a lot of new games coming out, particularly with Game Pass, that there's just always something new to play. So people are like, well, I don't know. Do I really want to play Destiny for the next five years? Probably we not. We saw Battleborn shut down, I think, next year, or announced it's shutting down now. Yep. Um, Paragon shut down this year. Mm-hmm. All these other like Overwatch clones or competitors have shut down because Overwatch owns that space. Correct. And yeah, they're still going somehow. Overwatch 2 coming next year. Uh, the last piece of news I had, which you probably don't care about as much being a primary console gamer, but it was uh, Blizzard versus BlizzChung. And that was a huge deal because that was the biggest revolution I've ever seen on a game company. So much that they apologized twice. They were protesting. I don't know if Blizzard. they apologized on stage. I watched that guy's video. Jay he didn't, Bra- Alan he didn't really say I'm sorry to Blizz Chung or I'm sorry for anything. It was very corporate, very oh, middle of the road. I wouldn't call it an apology. He just, I think he just recognized that they had some it, uh, image issues that year and that they were going to do better. I have, That's not an apology. I have never seen the social, a social media campaign that hellbent on destroying a company where it was trending for weeks and weeks. Their stock dropped a significant portion, over 15% loss in their stocks. It like it really worked, and I was shocked that... They still many... never came back and said, no. save Hong Kong. Like no, I mean, I didn't no. expect them to. I, I just thought it was interesting that... But I thought they know, would have given a better apology. I agree. Um, I think, I mean, I have a Blizzard room. My whole office is dedicated to Blizzard. It's still? You didn't tear it down in in protest? I didn't uninstall my account. I still actively play Blizzard games. I just played, you're talking about Overwatch? I was just playing it two nights ago, waiting for another game to patch. (laughs) Played a couple rounds of uh, uh, Overwatch. I'm still excited for Diablo 4. 
Um, I'm going to play Warcraft Classic at some point, so I'm not out of it. But I did find it interesting, and, and the reason I mentioned it was, you know, you, you hear a lot of disdain for companies like GameStop. Oh, GameStop sucks. Oh, EA sucks. Oh, AT&T sucks, whatever. But not to the level I saw this. And this just, just this flooded everything. I mean, we saw senators writing letters or Congress or whatever wrote Marco a letter. Marco Rubio wrote one, yeah. Writing a letter. I was on national news at a long, for a long time. And the national news is just constantly moving on to the next big thing. And they kept talking about it. It was on Fox News and like CNN covered it. And all these, I was like, whoa, this is, my little slice of heaven just blew up. And I was like, <laughs> what, what a brave new world out there so those were the things that i thought were notable in 2019 i'm sure there's more but those are the ones that really made me think wow that's those are some pretty significant things things that didn't happen in 2019 project x cloud did not launch in 2019 we did not get splinter cell in 2019 we did not get skull and bones in 2019 yes so I remember talking about xCloud, I think, at E3 this year with you. Yes. Because they said, Project xCloud, coming in the fall of 2019. Then it got to be September, and I'm like, eh, not quite fall. October, I think, is fall. November is definitely fall for video game season. Yeah. And then we got to XO, XO19 or whatever in Mexico City or London, London where they have it. Yeah. And they announced more stuff for xCloud, but they didn't announce a launch, no. per se. It's still open beta, so I thought that was a little disappointing that it didn't launch. I feel like xCloud and Microsoft is really pivoting themselves to be more of a brand than a console. So xCloud is just going to be another feather in their cap of backward compatibility and Game Pass, and it's just something nice, but I don't think it's going to single-handedly revolutionize anything. I think what's going to end up happening with... I mean, xCloud is in the beta right now. There's free games for you to play because it's in beta. 50 free games. 50 free games. That's a lot. Yeah. And good games, not half the shit that's on Game Pass. Agreed. That's crappy. I agree. <laughs> you know? There's a bunch of bloatware on Game Pass, I think. you know. I know. I, I started reviewing them and I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep up. So, so I think that is a good thing that they're offering these free games basically for you to try out their, their service. I agree. What I think the final state of Game Pass is going to be is that um, I believe it's going to be a pay system. Because mm-hmm. where originally we were thinking like, Oh, this is going to be cloud streaming your games from the cloud, right? Uh, instead of from your console. Then they came out, and that's what I thought of. Like, oh, if you're going to put all these games on servers and allow me to access the games I own and bought off your servers versus my thing, and that's a direct connection to your servers, that's going to be fantastic. I'm all in. Right. Then they started talking about the xCloud service, and then they announced home console streaming. Yes. That's where the delineation really came in, where I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be, where you just play all your games from the cloud. No, this is going to be a distinct service where for $6.99 a month or whatever it's going to be, you can play their selection of games in their package or whatever's in Game Pass on your phone or on your iPad, whatever, and... You know, home console streaming may be a, included on that. It may be an add-on. Right. I'm thinking. So I, I'm not. Right. I don't think um, home console streaming is going to be free. I would like it to be. That would be good. But will it work? Will it work better than the My, PlayStation version of it does? I was telling uh, so you I think it's going to be another paid service on top of Gold, on top of Game Pass. Just funnel into Ultimate. Be X Cloud. <laughs> Real ultimate, ultimate, ultimate. Ultimate might go up to $20 a month for that. You never know. 
Um, well, I was telling you earlier today, my upload speeds for my ISP were trashed the last couple of days. That's why it's taken so long to upload these videos. So you're really relying on a solid, if you are going to do true home streaming and my Xbox upstairs are going to be pumping out a signal, at the upload speeds I've getting the last few days, it's not going to be very yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be very good at all. So that, that's my hesitation and bummer because I would love, I would love to have it on my you know, on my iPad or phone oh, yeah. and I hook it up to the TV while I'm on travel next yes. year yeah, and bring a controller. My... That'd be awesome. Yeah, because I always bring my Switch now everywhere I go and it would be nice to not have to just deal with that and just be able to have anywhere I went have a decent internet connection and play. But it remains to be seen. I mean, this is definitely a feeling out year for streaming. I'm curious with the new consoles coming out next year, how much they integrate streaming. Well, and I wonder what the deal with Stadia was too because maybe was it their limited offering? Like... Nobody ordered it very much. The only people that I, we know that ordered it were celebrities or whatever that maybe they ordered it, maybe it was given to them. Yeah. Do you know anybody personally that ordered no, it at all? I don't all? know anybody that has it or played it or talked about it. And all the games that came out are games that are old. No one's buying it for Darksiders yeah, 3. It's been out it's forever. all old games on the service, on the they had pay-for-play. one exclusive game made by the Google Stadia development team, which looked interesting, but definitely not enough to buy in on the Founders Pack. So, I don't know. I, I, I think Stadia is one of those cases where companies sometimes throw ideas out there and the market dictates what they want. Nobody wanted this, and it turns out nobody wanted this. I mean, look, if you're going to have a place where you can stream third-party games, then that's all it's going to be because that's all Stadia is. They didn't launch with a, a big va-va-voom shooter or adventure game or anything right. like that. Agreed. And they're not going to. And I think that's a huge mistake. Agreed. Because that's really what draws people to platforms, and you want to play that particular game. The whole reason I bought a PS4 was to finally play Spider-Man later that year and, and God of War earlier. But that was it. Like, have I played a bunch of other games on there? No. You have been offline, it says, more than six months is what it says. Yes. I wait. I send you a message. I know you don't check it if you ever do. You'll log in. Whenever I'm plugging in my headphones to stream, uh -huh. I always send you a message to play it back to hear how it to sounds. To check it. Because my fan sometimes picks up, like, and I don't, I don't want it to... Do, 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 do. Uh -huh. So you have a laundry, a laundry list, list of, of messages. Like, hey, Brent, just got my headset today. I wanted to check it out. And then I play it back and I send it to you. So Nice. So if I ever die, I live on for a little bit longer. At least on PlayStation. Um, okay, next thing. This was, I made it. This is a quick list. We could run through these. If you care or not, you might not. Let's do it. These were what I called hyped-up sequels that we didn't need and that did not deliver. So these were all games that I played. I'm not going to go into like great detail unless you ask. Okay. I have release dates. I'm going to skip that part. Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> who cares? The Division 2. Another who cares? Super Mario Maker 2. Really? Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 The Black Order. Borderlands 3. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. And Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville. These are all games that I played. Where the first game was awesome, they came out, or the second one, if there's a third edition, they came out with another game, it was a almost complete carbon copy of the previous game, and they were either not fun enough to beat, or it was like, oh, I've already done this. Division 2 was no good? I liked the Division 2 because it's eye candy. And I actually, I still have yet to release it. I have about 10 YouTube videos saved, where I recorded my game on ultra-wide, you know, the highest setting, it's like 120 frames a second. And I recorded about five minutes of gameplay. And I, I wasn't even playing in terms of, like, watching me play. It was me walking around very slowly, pointing out things that I noticed graphically. 
but how good it was. Like the infinite draw distance portion, no pop-ins, um, the way shadows and lighting effects worked and textures and all that stuff. I had all of that and I still have to release this series. I eventually will, but I've been recording these for a long time. It's things that really blew me away. So Division 2, one of the, if not the prettiest games I've played on a computer. However, there's not a lot there that Division 1 didn't do. It's still a loot grab. You're running around. Okay, it's a different city now. You're still doing the same thing, fighting random NPCs that are bullet sponges, um, doing the little missions, trying to discover the mystery of the poison money. But really, outside of it, it's a hollow experience. There's no great revelation or epiphany. So you're going to trash now Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3? I'm not trash. Um, I think the downfall of that game is that it was a Switch only. I think that hurt it. Because that um, hurt the budget. looked like the budget was hurt because the cartoon style was very like looked very limited. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I'm not trashing. And then hurt it on sales, too, because you have just Switch owners. I liked it, but it really was... It was a performance issue, partially. Because um, on Switch. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You think back to Ultimate Alliance 2, even the original, when you would do your powers where two, two heroes would use their ultimates at one time, they would play off each other graphically. Um, the one that always comes to mind is Iron Man shooting his chest laser into Captain America's shield, who then deflected it and turned it into like a multi-shot. I think that only came with two. Okay, it might have been two. Three doesn't have that. Three, when you hit your ultimate, it's just a lot of explosions and lights, and it looks like little detonators are going off and like mini nukes on the screen, and you just see a bunch of damage numbers rolling, and then it's done. And usually everybody's dead, except for your guys. Um, but it's not visually appealing. They didn't take any kind of... There was no really cool synergy where, like, I'm going to shoot a web, and then you're going to electrify it, and it's going to really look different than a normal... No. It's just a lot of flashes and lights they didn't take the time to really if they had taken the roster and cut it in half and said okay we're going to make a real interaction between spider gwen and Groot. we're going to really make a unique interaction when those two characters are on the screen something cool is going to happen they never did that and i think you look at the story's just a ho-hum story you know villains okay whatever and there's nothing there that's like whoa groundbreaking or your earth shot you know none of that um, but Nothing it, graphically either. No, that was the thing. Is you, it's, you, Rachel and I, uh, when we were playing through it, asking ourselves, why are we playing this? It was fun, but it's like, is there something better? Like, is there anything? You, after five minutes of playing it, oh, you unlock the next new hero. Cool. Oh, it's really more the same. The thing about those games when they came out was that was the only game at which had such a big roster of sure. all those heroes oh, yeah. that you could play. And I think maybe that game also got hurt, too. It would have been more excitement if there had not been a Marvel Heroes game on PC for years. True. Which then they launched, finally launched on Xbox and then turned off, I think, when Marvel Games from Disney started up and said, no more outside projects. Which I was like, why would you keep that alive? They had that Marvel Heroes game, I think, started in 2015. Yeah, 20... Uh, they had a huge roster of characters and costumes and yeah, consumables and merchandise and all this other stuff. And it had a fun endgame, too. It wasn't just... It was a fun game that after you beat it... You played it. I didn't even play it at all. I played yeah. maybe three minutes of it on my Xbox, and that was it. I didn't even get into it. It's, um... I don't know why they turned that off instead. They should have just turned that into whatever this is. It's shocking to me from an outsider's perspective. Like, all these Marvel movies came out. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is phenomenal. I, it's shocking to me it took that long for movie makers to figure out that really good superhero movies work with fun special effects. And you could lose yourself in these zany stories. At the same time, I wonder why video games struggle so hard 
because it seems like a simple concept. And you have Ultimate Alliance. We haven't had a Batman game in forever. We haven't had a good Wolverine game. We did have a great Spider-Man game. Got critical acclaim because everybody loved it. We're, we're waiting for something. We agreed that game had its shortcomings. But, you know, it's like, hey, this formula works. So put a bunch of our favorite superheroes in a game. Let us go around and just beat the crap out of stuff. People will buy it. Well, I'm curious, too, with Marvel games, why they're focusing on releasing specific games for specific platforms. Yeah. Like Spider-Man and Sony, I understand Sony owns the movie rights. They probably own the game rights, too, outright. It's rumored that they also own a percentage of the Spider-Man character so that there's some sort of, like, there will always be Sony involved in anything Spider-Man. Gotcha. So then making that console exclusive, while unfortunate, is a bummer, even though yeah. we still had years of Spider-Man games on all consoles I know. Why while so? they were making movies and stuff. So why, why stop? Suddenly now? Why no. suddenly now? I have no idea. Because they could. Posturing, yeah. Weird politics posturing. But then they go and make their second Marvel Games game is this thing for Nintendo Switch only. Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which should be on every platform because you have the most reach there. And I know comics are, you know, the fandom is really small because the best-selling comic of each month sells 100,000 issues. Yeah, it's not a lot. You know, it's not a lot. It's smaller compared to games, but... You still have the popularity of the characters and everything. So maybe their big multi-console push is this Avengers game that still looks like crap in terms of costume design. That everybody, like... My favorite every, I, no. I love that everybody was, like, ramp, um, you know, complaining that the characters, like the actual human models, yeah. didn't look like the movie people. That wasn't my complaint. My complaint was that the character designs were terrible. Right. And that they moved it totally away, which I'm fine with people doing their own stuff. Like, as America. much as I crapped on the white-suited Spidey, it was yep. its own thing, and it did by itself look good. Yes, thank you. Like, <laughs> you know, I accepted it. It was like, oh, well, that looks, even though I don't like the white spider, that looks like a Spider-Man that it would fit sense. in everywhere else. Sense, yeah. You look at Captain America's flak jacket costume. Which makes no sense. Which makes no sense. He's a super soldier. Number one, he knows how to use his shield to block bullets. He doesn't need a flak jacket. Right. So he doesn't need protection. Number two, he's a super soldier. And number three, it just makes him look bulkier and less, like, jacked. Less yeah. super. Right. Agreed. So they have a whole bunch of issues. Their Iron Man head looks terrible. I don't know what they're doing. It's just... That game came out, and when I, I wonder if... A lot of these press events that they hold, and now that I've gone to E3 a couple years and I've gotten to see the inside... I still don't know what that game is. Apparently I, it's Kamala Khan, and apparently there's there's a single story with switching heroes, apparently. I think. We don't know. And then there's also some weird multi-game, end-game, multiplayer switching heroes part. Like Moon Knight's in the game, but he's not in the story. Or is he in the story? I have no idea. I, going to see these press events and getting to go to Bethesda's private party and getting to go to behind the stage and all these different things, I see where the press standing right next to Andrea Renee, seeing Fran Mirabelle, like seeing these people interact with the same thing I'm interacting with. I think they get wined and dined so hard that when they go back, they're gloating over the experience and not the, they can't separate that from the critical reception of a game. So when Marvel uh, came out, when they finally unveiled a little bit of that gameplay, E3, when they finally unveiled it, everybody outside of the press was like, woo, <laughs> everybody, universal, like, ooh, this looks bad. I mean, yeah, you picked on it more from a comic books perspective, even from a guy who's just kind of a casual comic book fan. I was like, this does not look good. And then, but you hear the press gushing about it. And I'm like, yeah, because 
I saw where the press went into play it. I wasn't allowed in there. They were coming out with statues and shirts and figures and custom controllers. And they were like, this is the best thing ever. Well, yeah, the experience was, but the game wasn't. And I think so much criticism on that game. That's why you're not hearing anything about it. I think they're going back to the drawing board and like, you know what? Maybe we didn't get this right. That's what I'm thinking. I think it's that I think to come out. I think in like March or April 2020. I think it's it's, spring game. I think they're kind of hiding it. I, I think I think it's going to be. I'm not saying it's canceled. I'm not saying it went uh, skull and bones, but I feel like it definitely dropped off in terms of some of the hype. Um, the only other one I wanted to bring up because I took a personal beating on this game was Ghost Recon Breakpoint. <laughs> I probably did four or five YouTube videos on this game explaining some of the really cool mechanics. And there are some cool... I know you haven't played Ghost Recon games. I like it. They're tactical shooters. They're very realistic in the sense that enemies die with a headshot. One or two bullets and you die. Um, It's very tactical. You have to be very meticulous on what you do. Um, Ultimately, as I played more of that game, I started to understand some of the criticisms. And what really frustrated me... Is about halfway through the game, they introduce these giant robots that you fight, uh-huh. and the realism is completely destroyed. Oh. So you're fighting like a giant, like a Metal Gear type robot. Now it becomes like, a Kojima game. Not even like Kojima, you can at least accept the crazy, which we'll talk about later. But in terms oh, of no. the Ghost Recon, <laughs> in terms of Ghost Recon, not on your game of the year list. I hope we well, have to wait and see. Uh, it, it frustrated me to the point that I don't play it as much as I used to because I'm tired of fighting robot cars. And it was frustrating. I think they really dropped the ball there. So before I get into good, not great, you brought your well, you you have Borderlands on here too. Borderlands. 3. Oh, you want to talk about Borderlands? Not delivering. 3? It didn't deliver. Okay. I don't remember the reviews being bad. You they don't weren't. like it? No, I like it. Um, it's just it's more okay. of the same. Yeah. So what they did with Borderlands Three, uh, I applaud them for the originality, and I get, I will give them this. You finally leave Pandora. You finally get to go to other planets. And explore other things. When you think of Borderlands, I don't know if you've played much of it, but it's typically like a desert, washed down, post-apocalyptic, crazy society. Like Mad Max in like video game format. Um, and that's always been Borderlands. It's all we've ever known of it. And you get some zany characters that send you on really zany missions. It's a lot of potty humor, um, but it's fun. It was original. It had the whole gun thing. They, you know, they call it gun loot. Your enemy, you kill an enemy and you just explode into like a thousand guns. It was like, oh, oh, cool. And you're picking them all up and like, which one do I want? That's still there. But because we've seen this so many times on Destiny and on um, Anthem and on Division where you're getting this gun loot, that uniqueness is gone. Okay, so what do you have left? Well, you still have this any comedy, which I will admit is funny. Um, and you do have this ability to go to these other planets and explore things. But when you get to the other planet, it's really just a facelift. It's just the same enemies. Instead of blue, they're red. Um, you're still driving around in the same vehicles you drove around in before. You're still doing the same types of missions, except now you're in a jungle or you're so underwater. It's false or, variety. Yeah, it really is. It's really just a reskinned uh, element. And the heroes, the new hero, heroes that have come on, they're much more vocal, which I appreciate. I play as a guy, Flack, who's a robot. Um, and he's funny. He's constantly commenting on what's going on. So it is, and it's original stuff. It's not just the same canned lines. Uh, he'll interact with NPCs, and he's kind of like, since he's a robot, he's kind of tone deaf on. He's like a killer robot from the future. It's bizarre, but Borderlands, it makes sense. Um, so he's very like tone deaf on a lot of stuff, and it, it's interesting, but it just doesn't carry the game. And you just kind of you don't hear people talking about it the way you hear people still talking about other games. People aren't streaming it anymore. People aren't really talking about it because once you beat it, or in my case, you get to a certain point, you're like, eh, I mean, I might get back to it eventually. 
there's just nothing to draw you back in. There's no compelling story. There's no compelling villain. There's no compelling really anything going on in the future. So it kind of starts to kind of starts to fall apart. That's a bummer. Yeah, that's why I say it's like the, the, really if you look at it, that's why I really titled this sequels we didn't need because we really. Borderlands 2 Everybody was Everybody wanted Borderlands 3. We, we thought we did. And if this is really what Borderlands is, don't make any more. But, you know, seeing like... Like Mario Maker was great. Mario Maker 2, more of the same. You look at like a Division, the sequel, more of the same. So, yes, you can make a sequel. You can make something new. But you got to really... You look at the jump from like Assassin's Creed to Assassin's Creed 2. Mind-blowing difference. You're not going to get that in every game, I understand. But you can't just say, hey... We're going to take 95% of the shell of the original game, and we're going to tweak a few things, and now it's a sequel. And it's not... There's nothing there to like keep you coming mm-hmm. back. Not when there's all these great games that are out right now. So, I'm curious. So I have my printed list. Uh-huh. I've gone through half of it. I still have Good Not Great, and then God's Here, which okay. is my five games of the year, but I have one true game. Okay. Year. But before I get into that, I'm dying to know... What you've been up to this year <laughs> so, with your game plan. My game playing has been very, very uh, limited. I have been traveling a lot this year. I did bring up my uh, Xbox on, on a two-week trip to play stuff on. Yep. Um, but I pretty much played a whole lot of one game and then got burnt out and then played a whole little of everything else. So if you listen to our re- uh, recording last year... You'll know what game came out last year that I hadn't played yet. So, what did you have a prediction on the game I played the most this year? It's definitely Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the game I played the most this year, and the game that burned me out of playing games because it lasted me through March, basically. Now, when you say burnt you out of playing games, I would consider you a gamer. Maybe not anymore. I don't know. This could be the last <laughs> VK's bullets ever. I have eight games I've pretty so, much touched. When you say year. it burnt you out, for me. When I get burnt out of a game, it's just that game. I will play. I'll, I'll play a shooter, and I'm like, "This shooter isn't good. Right. What's the next shooter okay. to play?" So when you say burnt out, do you mean like you're like, "Oh, it's a t- it's a chore to pick up a controller"? No, or? it's just like I played this game so much, and there was so much content in this game to find and to unlock and to play and storylines and quests and right, DLC, oh, which I played all of those. Right. Um. And I got so into it, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Don't get me wrong. Right. That I got behind on the CW shows after the crossover last year. Um, so I wanted to watch those, and those were actually on Netflix by the time I ended um, playing this game. So for you, it was a time, so it was limited a, time. It was a limited time, and there was other things I wanted to do. There were Netflix shows or movies I wanted to watch and other things I wanted to catch up on because I have other hobbies I enjoy doing as much as playing games. I understand. So that, in terms of that, it was like, okay, I'm going to push games to the side to try and catch back up with everything else. But isn't that a, a testament to how phenomenal that game is? That you basically I would make the case be that this is my game of the year. Yeah, you for 2019. Even though it came out 2018, you guys know that I don't always pick the correct, game that came out during correct. the year. This is your game of the year because, because it is it literally, is literally the, game of the, the year. game of the year. I played this the most. I played probably over. Definitely over 100 hours, probably over 150 hours of this game, so def- which for me is a lot. So definitely don't want to rehash thoughts on it, because I know we did. Well, uh, we talked a lot, a little bit about it last year. I think, did we record after Christmas? Yes. 
but I definitely played a lot of it after we recorded last year, so that most of my thoughts are fresh. I know you've heard them before at work or whatever. No, I want to hear But I really like this game. It introduced... I played as Alexios. I did not pick Cassandra, even though every, Cassandra was the one everybody was picking in reviews because, oh, you could play as a female. Might as well. And then, oh, her voice acting's way better than Alexios's and blah, 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 blah. I played as Alexios. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And um, I like the dialogue trees that they had. It wasn't like... Um, a telltale game where you have distinct, clear choices. Like, there was one story they were going to tell, and how you went about it was pretty much that. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say if there were things that went wrong or I would have experienced differently had I said something different. It was hard to tell. Yeah, how different would it really have been? Because they're still the same overarching story. So you can be nasty to someone, but they still have to give you this mission. You still have to complete it. That kind of thing is going on. Um, but it was nice to vary up the character a little bit instead of like origins. There was, he only said one thing, you know, he had a specific thing to say, yeah. whereas this gave you a little more, a little more control role-playing. and role playing into the character. I really like that. Do you feel that you played your character like as a nice guy, as a jerk or you didn't? It depended on the scenario, which so it always did. I didn't pick a route the whole time. He wasn't bland. He wasn't always mean. So, I did flirt every time there was a choice. Yes. So every time there was a, a little wordplay with a little heart, whether it was a guy or a girl, Alexia I did flirt. Was the man of the people. I said, hey, I'm an ancient Greece. I'm an ancient Greek man. And apparently they... It's a man's world. <laughs> they did a whole lot of whatever they wanted to do, whether well, it was with a, another man or a female. I'm and I definitely man. spread my seed all over Greece with whoever would take it. I was going to say, I played with Cassandra and I didn't get nearly as far as you did, but I probably Probably slept with 10 people oh. off, like the first two hours. Alexios got around in my world, that's for sure. He was very uh, uh, well equipped at flirting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a lot of fun. I did play all the DLC. So the first, um, yeah, the main game was great. Um, what it didn't do, it got into Atlantis a little bit, like the whole thing, the staff. Okay. You're trying to get the staff and to learn, uh, and f- basically f- at the end of the game, you found the entrance to Atlantis. And it turns out that you're the guardian of this staff, and you carry it through the future into the present person that you're playing with a little bit as well in the game. And then Alexios actually lives from the ancient Greece time until present day to give that new character the staff and say, you are now the protector of the staff. Um, So that is something that was cool. And then she's like part of your bloodline somehow, right? So... um, then you're in Atlantis, and then it kind of like the DLCs, you're finding Atlantis, and then you're going through looking in the past to find clues to help you get open up more of Atlantis. And the present character is now talking to one of the uh, not the forerunners, that's the Halo version of them, but the Prometheans is what they're called, the other race that was like the ancient they created humanity basically. So the first three DLCs is like. You know, Alexios finds somebody. Uh, he gets a hidden blade from someone who is uh, the brother of Xerxes from the Persians. Yeah, Xerxes. So the hidden blade actually comes from Persia. Oh. And then it gets passed down later cool. on, I guess. Okay. Um, but you get it from him, from Darius. And then you uh, marry his daughter. You have a kid together. Then your family's killed, and people were mad. Basically, there was like a whole big kerfluffle in the middle of two because 
whether you had a that's right about your characters whether you were a boy or a girl kiss alexios or cassandra you always had this child yeah which i understand how alexios and the daughter made a child i don't understand how cassandra and the daughter had a child unless she shows up in that storyline if you choose cassandra where she has a child and she's carrying him with her the whole time and you just become like their adoptive mother or whatever or I don't yeah, know. I didn't big, get into that. There was a big stink about that, yeah, because, like, what if you were gay? Yeah, so, yeah, so that was the thing, and you always had a child, and people got mad. So, basically, the third episode, they killed those people. Oh, jeez. They killed the baby, and you no longer had a child. They did away with it whatsoever. That's how they fixed yeah, it. Yeah, that's right how they time. fixed it. <laughs> so, Soik? that was that. The more interesting one, of the, which is the second set of DLC, which is actually the same with... Assassin's Creed Origins, where you got to go into the ancient Egypt tombs, mm-hmm. and they all had a different world of DLC that I, I talked about last year. Yep. This one, you were doing, um, ex- basically exploring different areas, trying to get into Atlantis. In the final DLC, you actually go into Atlantis mm-hmm. uh, in the ancient times as Alexios, and it turns out that Atlantis is this thing that always rises and falls. Oh. So there's a cycle to it. And they're always experimenting with humans on how to improve them. Like there's a Prometheans that are carried over from cycle to cycle. They're always there because they're eternal. But they're always trying to find a way to make a better society with the humans. But the problem is that humans are troublesome, right? We're not perfect. And because of that, they're getting a little frustrated by this time. So they take Alexios and they give him all the power and say, you're going to be the decider of this of this oh, cycle. Cool. Okay. And we're going to give you a bunch of missions and make you choose between the Promethean side or the human side. And at the end, there will be a result where you talk to Poseidon, who's the the head of, um, you know, he's a Greek god, but he's also a Promethean. So they're kind of one and the same in this universe now. And you're going to decide the fate of Atlantis. And that's kind of kind of where it left off. So that all sounds really cool. In that but that reminds, should have been in the main game. I was going to say, it reminds me of the Desmond stories in Assassin's Creed 1, 2, and 3, which was very fascinating to me, that they totally dropped that off. And then to find that they're still doing these cool things, but it's behind a long game and then multiple DLCs to get there. It's weird because that was a, such a staple of the game early on, and now it's like an ancillary thing, which is probably still canon, but it's just so buried. You're probably one of like, you know... 10% of the people made it that right. way. And, and it was interesting, by the time you got to those Atlantis DLCs, your present character, whatever her name was, the girl, mm-hmm. who was the same one from Origins, um, had the staff, was using the staff, and talking to the Promethean in the center of Atlantis, uh, going into all these memories and stuff, but she was like, there was an invasion, and she killed somebody with the staff, oh, wow. and she was making moral choices, and the staff was like influencing her. Uh, to be like a, almost like a worse person, and she was kind of panicking. Interesting. So there's a lot more interesting story in the present in those DLCs than there was in the entire regular game. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. I guess maybe their formula is you have to have a big story to take you across an open world in the main game, right. and then we can kind of focus in in on these DLCs and do these explorations of character or other little things that wouldn't fill up a full game as much because people now expect the open world for Assassin's Creed. Whereas, like, the, every, each memory in... I mean, the first three DLCs took place in the regular open world. They just focused a little more on an area that didn't have any story missions in it in the main game. Gotcha. Whereas the third... The second round of DLCs, all the Atlantis stuff, those are all individual areas, just like the um, Egypt ones in those, in those last three. 
Well, Origin, both Origins and Odyssey sold incredibly well. Both critically acclaimed games. So Ooh, more, 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 I'm more, thinking, more. I'm thinking this is probably the way they're going to do it. And Assassin's Creed Ragnarok next year. That's the rumor. Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, Norse mythology, I, gods, Vikings. You know, when there's downtime, like last night, none of the guys were online. And I was like, what do I want to do? I ended up reading the comic book. But, <laughs> you know, in a time where I would think, like, what do I want to play? Every so often, I'm like, you know what? I should really get back into Odyssey. Because I really did like it. It was fun. And then I think, oh, yeah. I didn't pay for the bonus experience. <laughs> Uh, and, and that is something I did pay for and if that's the way that they're going to play the game you almost have to buy it you almost have to buy it because it did I did have I mean I, I was pretty much blowing I wasn't having any difficulty blowing through the any of the missions there were a few that I did die or sometimes and you were talking about grinding in the first area I didn't have that experience because I bought it since the way I do these is they come out at the end of November I don't buy them day one I say give them to me for Christmas someone does so I don't spend sixty dollars on them. So I am perfectly fine with paying ten dollars for as much gameplay as you for got as much on game it, for a hundred hours. You know, for crying out loud, for you, yeah, I understand. yeah, yeah. It almost makes you really want to just consider buying like the gold edition of these games or whatever in the future because yeah, we had talked about this before. Yeah, and I did pay the forty dollars for the I DLC. I was so and uh, DLC is fine. I mean I, that part I don't mind, but the the, the grinding of the quests. And doing five or six quests and daisy chaining, turning them in, and still not having enough to get to the next area was brutal. And I was like, oh. I wonder with a lot of these reviewers if they get it. They just say, hey, here's the full game with all the goodies. And oh, I think the- they do. I think. So I think they. I get remember them talking ex- about with Odyssey with them getting the gold editions with all this extra junk. So I feel like I feel like you're right. I think I think if I go out and I decide because I when I bought my copy of it online actually no, i got it for free i got it for free from uh t- beta, testing, beta it. testing yeah with uh, google's pro- project turn stream in, or whatever yeah, with before stadia st- with turn into stadia um so i guess in that case i wouldn't feel as bad spending it I, to me it was just more the principle rather than the money i don't care so much about that portion but i think if i do decide to get into it i think i'm gonna have to spend the extra money to buy the experience because it's not fun. I don't want to be in the first town anymore. I want I mean, to go think of it. all the throwaway games that you might spend 10 bucks exactly. on. Exactly. That's why you got to do it. Yeah. Don't buy these little cheap like PlayStation end of the year sales. Just save that and instead throw it on something that matters. Because I did enjoy it. The combat was fun. Fighting the, uh, I forget what they're called, uh, the, the wolfmen or whatever. The, the, the really hard to beat. They, they roamed around the Oh, country. yeah. They had the... Um, Falakes. That was in the first one. That was one, the I first think. one. These guys were I don't remember what basically they were hunting you down. They were mercenaries. They were that was that was so much fun and fight getting in a fight with like three or four named guys, kicking them off cliffs. That I really did enjoy that. And yeah. it looks phenomenal on ultra wide screen. It's a beautiful game. I think they, they really improved the um, skill tree on that game, yes. I think, over the last one. The skill tree was great. That was cool. You could assign points in any different order. It wasn't like you have to do this one, then this one, then this one. It was like, pick any of these. It was like, yes. pick 10 in Call pick of Duty 10, yeah. when they had that. Just pick what you want. You know, here's a bunch of points. Assign them the way you want. You can double up, triple up. And then once you unlocked everything, then you could go in and you could add points to boost up your base stats. Yeah. Like, plus attack plus uh this percentage on this then they had the engraving system which was really cool you could engrave weapons with certain uh rune, not almost like runes so i'm sure they'll have it yeah, with runes like basically. in the next game if it's vikings 
You can enchant them, yeah, to give you extra poison, extra fire. That, that was, was great. great. Yeah, flaming sword that was actually on fire was awesome. Yeah. And awesome. what I also think was a big improvement in this game, whereas the last game they had all these different bows. Remember you had um, the hunter bow or the predator bow? Yes. So in this game, they had arrows, basically. So your yes. bow was your bow. Correct. You had different arrows that you had to craft. So you had a fire arrow, a poison arrow, that was great a predator too. arrow, which is like the one you could zoom in on, which I always love using. Right. My most used arrow right there. Explosion arrows, death arrows. They had a whole like death variety. Arrow. But it really made the bow... And then you had different skills. Yeah, like multi-shot. But like multi-shot, whereas there were bows in, in Origins that there was a multi-shot bow or a hunter bow, whereas this was like more of an all-around, and then here's skills for things you'll use from time to time. The fact that you could upgrade weapons to keep them if you really liked them. The yes. fact that they had so much customization. They had a transmog system, yes. which was great. Once you found something you liked, you weren't punished for not like You could continue to like it throughout the game. Like I found a flaming sword early on. I mean, I don't play that much, maybe 20 hours, but that's my weapon. And I, I level up, it levels up with me. I, I pay for it, and I'm like, this is my weapon. And I love that. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. You. I do agree with you. That That is a very cool system, and I wish more games did that. They, so They did a lot of things right in that game. I so totally that is definitely understand. my game of the year. Okay. So the other things I did play this year. Yes. I did play and beat recently Gears 5. And what did you think of Gears 5? I liked it. I played two rounds of multiplayer, and Gears multiplayer's never been my thing, um, so I won't judge it on that. I did like the open areas of it. I thought that was cool, but the fact that they were just a repeat of here's ice and here's sand, you know, that was a little kind of a bummer. I did like the sand thing where, like, the lightning was coming down, and, the, and it turned the sand to glass, and you had to, like, shatter these things or drive around them. That was cool. Um... But I felt like the tease at the end of 4, story-wise, of your grandmother was the hive queen of Kate, you know, that wasn't explored as much as I would have liked it to. There were no answers, basically. And then you were kind of telling me, like, well, all the answers were in Gears 3. What are you looking for? Agreed. So it was kind of like, it felt like the story kind of went forward a little bit, but really ended up going nowhere. So in a lot of ways, so I will say... It was not my pick, but I did select five games that are what I call God-tier games, and I said that was one of them. Okay. I said that was one of the best games I played this year. And the reason why, I do agree with you on all your criticisms. You're right. Um, if you were paying attention, there was major, no major announcements from three. A lot of people, if you didn't even play four, it didn't matter. Five kind of felt that way a little bit. What I really liked about five was the choice you had to make in terms of who lived and who died. And I really like the fact that JD did something that was really irredeemable through most of the story. But, the, but that happened off screen, though. It did, and I, I agree. But I'm Which at, made that hurt. Like, I would have liked it better if you were playing as Kate. You did it. And you saw JD do that thing. Yeah. That would have made it more. Whereas, like, I agree. they have the beginning part of the story, and then the second part where you switch you switch from JD yeah, it's to like a three Kate. jump or something. And then in, the, in between that time, he does something irredeemable, which you find out later on in the story. True. But it would have been more impactful had you been there, had you saw it, had you played it. One of the reasons why I'll always say that Shadow of the Colossus is the greatest game is because you're forced to do that. And you're playing it and you know what you're doing is wrong, but mm -hmm. you're doing it anyway. I agree with you. I think that was a major misstep. That's to me why it wasn't my game of the year. But I did like it because I played it on computer and it looks phenomenal. It looked great on my X and, and I'm sure it looks great on X. I think that was... I, to me, that's one of those showcase games that, like, hey, I want to show you how good HDR can be. Like, that would be a sales pitch. 
driving around in the sled and the snow and the, and the different environments was really cool. And I like that they took a character like Foz, who could have really just been a throwaway character, and they actually gave him some personality. The fact that he would relate to the people towards the end of the game, and he kind of became not a douche, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually really, really cool. And I'm, it's really, to me, of, of all the gears, I mean, I think three is, for most people, considered the best one, but it had a lot of heart. And I really got to give Coalition credit for taking some chances, so to speak, and not just giving us another rehash of an old Gears well, Like That's kind of like what 4 was. 4 was a rehash you know, of any other Gears no game. Chance. They took no chances. But it showed you they could make a Gears game. Yeah. Here they took some chances. Yeah. So, so I'm really hoping I'm that hoping 6... six is blo- that's what I'm thinking. Right? Every, gears, every three Gears, we get a game that just <laughs> rocks our side. But it still won't win Game of the Year because Gojima or some other asshole will put out some artsy parts. I guess you'll have shit. to wait and see. Uh, the other one I played, the other major game I played was Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, we finally got around I about buzzed it. through that, and uh, I couldn't put it away fast enough. You didn't like oh, it? Oh, I forgot the other game I put on here. Oh, okay. Um, so I had played Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. I actually did touch the PlayStation this year. And I played Shadow of the Tomb Raider after that. And I, so it I, was so similar in terms of like oh, bow combat a little bit that it was kind of like meh on Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And overall, Shadow is a lesser game than... The first one or Rise? I feel like they rushed that game and I don't know why. They kept talking about like you're going to journey through Laura's like early years. But really after the first 10 minutes of the first game you were kind of there. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I wasn't a fan of the stealth system. I did not like that story. I did not like how helpless Joe was. Well that stealth system sucked because. It did. There was a lot of problems with it. You were trying to go to one of those areas, and then you would move, and those guys would see you right away before you got to the stealth area. They would instantly see you, or you'd pop up, and yeah, they were like... Or you would do... There was one thing I was trying to do from afar, where you shoot a guy from afar or whatever, and then I have a silencer on the whatever, and... Because the guy dies, they would instantly know where you, like, came from or whatever, even though I was hiding behind a bush or there were times where the guy would come around the corner as I'm looking down the scope and he would see me and you wouldn't know it kind of thing. It's pretty bad. Do you think we will get another Tomb Raider game or can we put that series to bed? Is there anything they could do that would make you care? Because me personally, I never cared about Laura Croft. She was never that pivotal of a character to Uh me. Not in the way like Nathan Drake was, for example. So do I need another Tomb Raider game in my life? And I'm thinking this could probably be the end of the series and I'd be okay with it. I think it could be the end. I also think if you give it... The problem maybe was it wasn't Crystal Dynamics. It was some other studio. Because Crystal Dynamics went to work on that Avengers game that's turning out like crap. All around the world. Uh, I don't know. In Horizon, you said you weren't you weren't. So that I played Horizon, and I remember there was big hype about it when you played it. I loved it. And you loved it, and kind of funny guys loved it. But keep in mind, it came out five years it ago. It came out a, a while ago, yeah. so I had the $20 Game of the Year version or whatever with Frozen Wilds included, which I didn't even bother to do. I never even played it. Because I felt like the Horizon game was so blasé. In terms of anything that it was really like, I don't know why it got so much hype. Maybe we because it was the first open world game on the PS4, and it like for me right now playing as little PS4 exclusives as I have, but I'm sensing that like there are things that they do really really well in terms of beauty, 
prettiness, graphics, whatever. But in terms of the gameplay, like the gameplay is very, very basic and contained so that they can expand on the graphic quality of it. And that's what gets them the um, things. I felt the story was pretty dumb. Like, See, I like the story. I thought the story was interesting. It, I've seen stuff like that before. It of wasn't course. anything yeah, new. No, I agree. Nothing um, new. And I don't think that you really got... But I don't think that's a fair criticism only because everything's a copy of everything, though. We've seen, it, we re- it is. We really have seen it all It is. Point. But I felt like... But I understand. Instead of being set in the future and you messing with the past, like maybe it would have been... Basically, like the tri- I like the future stuff the tr- with the... We had to kill the Earth to save the machines and all this other stuff. I liked all that. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cool. That was the most interesting part. It was the tribe stuff that was so done before. I agree. Blase, kind of like, can we move on now? There's some guy that hunts you in a mask. and I think what made that game so important at the time, and again, timing is everything. We look back on it now, and console wars don't mean anything. They will again, but right now they don't. At the time that game came out, Microsoft had made a very definitive pitch that they weren't going to be working on exclusive games. They didn't have anything. They had an underpowered, overpriced console that had the Kinect on it that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. PlayStation, we're here for you gamers. We're going to release this game. Oh, and it's in 1080p. Everybody lost. It was right. a perfect storm. I think if you release that game a year ahead or behind, it definitely doesn't have the critical acclaim that it should have. Because would have. No, my no. biggest criticism, I told you this at work, was for an open world game, there's very little to do. Very, It's very bare. Very bare. There's no reward for exploring it, either. There's, yeah, you go and you get... I got all of... On top of all the big radar heads or whatever... To open up the fog of war, that was and it. I cl- that was cleared pro- a bunch of places. They didn't give you anything. Correct. Um, I felt like the weapons did. My biggest complaint was that they didn't walk you through what all the weapons did, or types of arrows or types of bows at all. There's a lot of stuff in the game I never. I could have used a little shot. bit. Yeah, yeah, I could have used a little bit more hand holding in terms of that, or maybe a little less variety of you know. Because to me, like the playing odyssey a bow is a bow and here's a whole bunch of fucking arrows and it's pretty easy to figure out what they do true where there a bow was not a bow and all the bows shot differently and only held certain types of arrows was yeah. really confusing agreed they agreed that game did not age well i will agree with you a thousand percent and because it was open world having played origins and having played odyssey before i played this i realized there was so little to do you're basically walking around you're killing animals or you're moving on to the next mission and then once you finish all that, there's nothing to do. Where, like, even the side missions or side quests were very limited in scope. And I still platinumed it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm with you. I didn't like it at all. I beat the story and then I put it down. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this game. Okay. What else did you play? So? I played uh, Super Bomberman R. It was a free game. Wow. I played, is on the list. I played like three worlds of it. Okay. This is just me looking at my achievements saying, like, what did I play? What did I pop? Um, okay, what's next? <laughs> I played Gears Pop on my phone a lot. I liked it more than you did, but I'm not playing it now. So longevity, kind of down. They made it... They did some change, uh, I guess, last month or something. They made it really hard to win. Pay to win. And it's definitely a pay to win game. Yep. I played Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite for three hours, maybe. And I got tired of the blasé story and... Having to skip four times to get to something, and I know, I know. we we. Talk. I like the way that it, the gameplay is fine. The battles are fun, but there's 
Injustice 2 has done it so much better that it's hard to play I this. I love the cutscenes in between. We had talked about this. You're not a Capcom I'm guy. not a Capcom guy either, so seeing, I, I get see, bored. Seeing them, seeing like Mike Mike Hager like break out of a steel cage and fight somebody, you're probably like, who is this guy? But yes. to me, it's like, oh, he's going toe-to-toe with like, you know, some of the great Marvel characters or like Mega Man and Captain America teaming up. Like, that's just really cool. Yeah. But I understand. I, I get it. Um, I did play, a, finish the Spider-Man DLC this year. I still got to finish That was okay. It. Yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'll get back. It's not as cool as, like, their DLC is not as good as the Odyssey and Origins yeah. DLC. Go fight seven gangs. Yeah. Go fight. Again, again, again. Yeah. That's really all it Go is. Go steal three Because yeah. you, if you play the first one, you've played the second two. Yeah. Find the hidden back. That's it. <laughs> um, and I did start GTA Five. Did That's kind that? of fun. I didn't beat it. I didn't think I just was. met the um, the Weasley guy, Trevor. Trevor. Yeah, I just got to him and him, like his first you couple like his of missions. Tattoo cut here on his. Yeah, neck. yeah. He's crazy. I just met him, so I'm probably like five percent in. I don't know. But that's it. That's that's not very many games. I know. Well. So let's let's hear <laughs> your monster list. No, I don't have nearly as many as you. These I are... watched a bunch of movies this year. I got a whole list of movies I can t- show you that I, I saw. I would love to do BK's comic <laughs> movie review. Lots of comics I read. These were games that I played that I consider good, not great. Okay, we could talk about them or not. It's up to you. So these are worth playing, in your opinion. These are these are games that were very, very good. Very good or very or good. You're Very good, but they each had... I did this last year. They each had something wrong with them, which did not make them a game of the year. Or multiple things wrong with them. But okay. these are games... From here on out, everything I'm going to mention, these are games you should absolutely play. Okay. Apex Legends. I played two rounds. So you did play Apex Legends. But not this year. We were talking a couple years ago. No. I, I, did it, it came out this year. It came out on February 4th. I played two rounds, and I had difficulty finding a whole bunch of people... Okay. Like I was squatted up because you're always squatted up. I followed the guys I was squatted up with and we had difficulty finding people. And then whenever the firefight started, I felt like I couldn't get a handle on where the characters were yeah. turning around or whatever. Then then I died and then you're out. So it took a long time to get back in. So trying to find that rhythm of where these guys are, whereas like right. PUBG Mobile, I got no problem finding people and shooting them. So they have some issue there, in my opinion, of... of all these big, even, as big as these character models are, right? Because some of these guys are huge. You've got robots. They're colorful. All this stuff going on. Yeah. They have some. I, I don't know if it's fixed it or not, but you have some issue there of difficulty finding difficulty them. finding enemies and killing them and whatever. The thing I loved about Apex Legends was it had a dynamic ping system. So anything you looked at, you pinged it, and your character would react. Hey, I found a gun. Or if you look at an enemy, hey, an enemy's there. Or hey, go here if there's nothing. That was cool. Or if you saw an enemy but you couldn't ping at him fast enough, you could say, I think I saw something over here. So the game system was phenomenal. This dynamic ping system never existed. Um, you are right. That game has a major verticality issue. I think that's probably where you struggled because you are looking above. There's a lot of cliffs. There's a lot of tall buildings. Very easy to be sniped or shot at without getting a beat on anybody. That's where Call of Duty really succeeds is that it's a very flat game. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry so much about You get a little bit of verticality, a little bit here and there, but not like Apex Legends. And that's what, to me, really separated it from the games that I consider the best games of the year because I think their level design was very poor. If they had a more flat level like PUBG, I think you probably could have said this is a really good game. Hmm. Um, next, and I know you played some of the previous ones, uh, Metro Exodus came out this year. Um, that was the first Metro game that I played that I really enjoyed. I played the other ones that I never finished them. 
What I liked about Metro Exodus, and I know the other ones do it too, is each chapter could be played differently. In each chapter, the main character, some of the characters could live or die. And you are secretly, along the entire game, being judged on how you did in this kind of pseudo-morality system. And at the very end of the game, you got endings depending on how many people you saved and how you went about saving people. You could, you could hold people up or kill them, and that made a mm. huge difference. What I didn't like about that game was um, the plot was very weak. Did it have a stripper? There were strippers. Because I remember in Metro, the second one, you 2033. Are, you are married, and there's There's strippers. some stripper. You can like put her on repeat for lap dances. <laughs> yeah, there was. And the same in GTA Five. I did that for a while, too. Shake it, baby. <laughs> Next was a game that I never beat, and that was uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. You are sold out still. I, I, you know, it's sad, and I, I, I cannot beat the final boss. I am to the final boss. I'm at the save point outside the final boss. I've done every optional thing to have the most HP and the most bestest weapon and everything. I cannot beat it. It's too hard. Uh, and there's no difficulty to lower it. It's just... It's an enemy that it's a final boss that you have to fight four times to kill him. So that's the second thing we've seen. We've seen games to this, as a service in the last couple of years. Yeah. We've also seen these Souls games, mostly from from software. From software, you've seen um, three Dark Souls and Bloodborne, all from them, and Sekiro, all from them. Yep. And I don't know about other games, but it seems like that's uh, these games that are too hard to play or hard games are coming out and now you're seeing this backlash people playing on easy mode yeah uh the surge because of this uh jedi actually is a little ahead of my list jedi falls into the category i I think what i loved about sekiro was that um the story was very good yeah the graphics were phenomenal you really felt like we don't really have a lot of good ninja games there's really not many what about neo wasn't that a ninja game it was yeah and that was also a hard game possibly hard impossibly hard yeah and and, and I understand the challenges there. I think because I've gotten over that hurdle and I've beaten Dark Souls, I feel like I don't need to prove it again to not prove myself. For, I don't even know. It's weird. It's kind of like a weird judgment you put on yourself. Dark Souls story was so good that that's what kept me coming back. Sekiro didn't have that story. And really, when you get to the final boss, it was just like, how much can we screw with you as a player? I didn't feel rewarded for all the time I put into exploring the world and getting new upgrades and stuff. Like... It punished me more than it should have, and I turn, I'm done. So I won't, I won't play it again. So I'll never beat it. Um, another kind of controversial one, uh, Days Gone. I really did enjoy Days Gone. And a lot You're of the only one that did. One man in America loved Days Gone, and it's me. What I really liked about Days Gone was that the story was drip-fed to you, which I don't like about it. But the part I did like about it was that it did ultimately culminate in something really significant happening. I really felt like I made an impact on the character, Deacon, and all of the characters I met. I felt like all that grinding meant something. Unlike Sekiro, where it was just like, we're just going to screw with you at the end. Ultimately, at the very end, I felt like it did matter. It had a litany of problems with it. I really hope they make a sequel. I hope they learn their lesson on a lot of the graphic stuff. Um, the driving was kind of wonky. The shooting was kind of wonky. The exploration didn't this matter. This doesn't sound like a good game. It doesn't sound like a good game, but somehow it worked. And um, I think what I, I think the most, the, the definitely the thing that they can build off of was the sheer terror of fighting those hordes. Those were phenomenal. The, the music, the tone, the just fighting those the freakers, like the way they crawled over each other was it was really really cool. But 
it had so many problems. But I still think it was a good game, and I I would have argued that it could be potentially on a game of the year list somewhere. But there's just too many other games that are better than that. Um, and I know one I know you've never heard of, and I'll be very brief about it. Was River City Girls? I really liked that game. Old school beat 'em up side scroller. Um, it was nice to see a shift from the two guys from the River City Ransom series to their girlfriends. They made a lot of self references to the games. They made a lot of fun of gaming as a whole. It was a very self aware game that um, a very small percentage of people liked. You'll never see it on any list, but I'll just say I enjoyed it. And then uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, I thought was a good but not great game, which I'm really surprised. I don't know. I, I go back and forth on if I think you would like this one or not. Um, the combat is difficult. The exploration is difficult. Not a, a difficult, but it's, it's kind of boring. But the story, and I think this is where people are blurring the lines. We talk about a, a great story versus a great game. The story is like world-class Star Wars caliber story. I thought so. Why didn't they make a movie on this? I don't know. Because the Battlefront 2 story was awful. This is a phenomenal story about a Jedi who basically, this isn't giving much away, for reasons, has to not be a Jedi. And through a set of extraordinary circumstances, has to become a Jedi again. And has to rise up to this challenge. And the cast of characters you meet and their backstories and learning about them was really good. And when you get to the very end, you get this very satisfying payoff. And it was like, very, very cool. I really like what they did there. I'm um, interested to see where the Star Wars license goes because it seems like yeah. Of late, they've only been able to make games surrounding the movies in terms of, like, there's the Stormtroopers or the Clone Troopers or the Empire or, you know, the remnants of the Empire. And I'm like, dude, there's thousands of years of Star Wars history yeah. that you can play with when the Jedi were big and bountiful and fruitful right. that only Knights of the Old Republic went into, you know, right. everything else is focused around this 80-year period. So I'm curious to see if there's going to be other Star Wars games that will venture out past that. And that can decide to build their own world and, and totally right. make up all their own characters and they don't have to play Slave to Order 66 or That's the the Empire Dying and stuff like that. And I don't want to give away... I'm trying to fit in what's going on in canon. There's been a lot of spoilers that I don't want to give away any for Jedi Fallen. I haven't or, seen any, luckily. Yeah, and you're not going to hear any from me, but I will say that... It, based on the world they live in, it's very clear they are part of the movie universe. What I'm confused about and what I worry about is why have we never heard about them in the movies? Obviously, it's a game. I understand. However, what he does is very significant to the greater world. Uh-huh. And I'm surprised that they didn't either tie it in better. I don't think he's going to be like in the next movie or anything. But it's very odd to me that something so significant happened that nobody seems to care about so if you want to do an Elseworlds and say, right. hey, whatever, that's fine. Right. But but to take and so put him... his in- story stands on its own, but when it's all said and done, it doesn't because Correct. it doesn't tie into the rest of the story, even though it feels like it would be a significant event, a la the events of Rogue One where they stole the Death Star plans. He interacts with some very important people. He does some very significant things that I'm shocked that, like... Yoda or somebody isn't like, you know, like, how would you not know about this? This is a really big deal. So that's what frustrated me. And I, I think back to the old days of like uh, N64 with like the, some of the older Star Wars games, um, Jedi uh, Academy, 
you can make good Star Wars games that don't have anything to do with this. Mandalorian clearly shows you that there's a great world out there outside of the Jedi powers that is interesting and fun. So, all right, which leads us now. Well, we don't know. Baby Yoda has the Force. And he's clearly using it, so they're still having this force crutch on yeah, Star but at Wars least, universe. But you know what? At least, though, you, to me, you you care about the character without like. And how does this tie into Luke Skywalker? Like, it's it's kind of its own thing, and that's where I feel like this did great. But I'm wondering why is it not tying into the other stuff? If you put Death Stranding: The Walking Simulator on your Games of the Year list, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna flip over. This big glass thing on the middle of your kitchen table. Don't do that, please. Or at least just lightly lift off the top and crush one of those fake pine cones. So here are the five games of the year. Don't crush the pine cones. Because I watched a 15-minute explanation of the story of Death Stranding. On the IGN put it up yesterday. It's like spoilers. Like oh. here's this story in 15 minutes or less, and it's just a cut of the cutscenes, and they're talking over it. And boy, what a clusterfuck that is. And I don't know how anybody understands that shit. Number one, Death Stranding. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to say... It's wa- a walking simulator. I'm Come gonna, on. I'm not going to tell you which my game of the year is. I'm going to tell you these are all candidates, and then there is one out of here that is it. The reason Death Stranding is good is... Well, you're rolling your eyes again. All right, Jeff Keighley, tell me how much you love Kojima. I love Kojima. His little glasses. Are you in the game, too? I'm in the game. No, um... It's unlike anything I've played. That's there you go. It's unlike anything I've played. I have played walking simulators. I've played a lot of walking simulators. And some of them are really good. Like Everyone's Gone to the Rapture had a very touching story to it. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch, another walking simulator, had a lot of good stuff. But there's other bad there's walking simulators that aren't great. Uh, Dear Esther, definitely not a great one. This is not just a walking simulator. I know it think you think it is. It's really not. There's a lot more to it. And I, I'm curious. I haven't seen the spoilers or anything. I know. You have. can drive, too. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I did find a motorcycle, but I can't use it yet. They're teasing me. It's just sitting there. It doesn't have any juice. Um, I think... I, I'm not sure what Kojima's message is in this game yet. And maybe it, it's meant to be interpreted. We don't know. You look at the art, the artist, where he was at in his head when he made this game... And you could see his, you could see some of the motivation of people trying to lift each other up and help each other out. And I think it's cool. I'm not going to harp on it too long because you're like falling asleep while I'm telling you. <laughs> but I thought it was a very good game. Was it the game of the year? Stay tuned. Next game of the year candidate, Resident Evil 2. I never played the original Resident Evil Me 2. Me either. I have no idea what it's about. I haven't played any of them. I will tell you this. After playing that game... The word remake needs to be redefined because this game takes everything from my understanding of the original Resident Evil 2 game and turns it up to 15, and it makes it phenomenal. Um, I just started playing, as I mentioned earlier, I started playing Halo Reach the other night on my computer. It sucks. And I love Reach. I am a Halo guy. Well, that's not a remake. That's an up-res. Correct. They did very little work on that. They did very little work on that, as opposed to Resident Evil 2, where they did a lot of work on that. You have new saving systems, you have new encounters, you have new graphics, you have new dialogue. It's the re-envisioning of a game. It's not a beat-for-beat, scene-for-scene, whatever. Um, the map, the way you use the map is smart, that it like highlights rooms that you've been in, a certain color. Once you've completely cleared a room, it changes to another color. 
You can mouse over different things in the room to see like what still remains to be done. Uh, the combat is fun. It's scary. It's got good music. It's got an interesting tone to it. It's just an all. When I saw this as a game of the year list, because I did a video maybe a month ago when Jeff Keighley announced the Game Awards, this game was on that list. And I panned it, not playing it. And I was like, this is dumb. Like, why are you putting a remake on the Game of the Year list? And after playing it, I totally think it deserves to be there. Next one uh, we already talked about was Gears 5. Um, I thought that was a really, really good game. Uh, it did a lot for the Gears franchise. Uh, next was Devil May Cry 5, which you haven't played yet. I don't know why. I could be barred if you want to have it. Um, Devil May Cry 5. Um, unlike some of these other games where I had the category of the hyped-up sequels that we didn't need and didn't deliver, uh, definitely Devil May Cry 5. Um, well, this is the one no one saw coming because we thought DMC was yeah, relaunched and yeah. no one liked that one, apparently. That had a lot to do with it. Um, I think the other big part of Devil May Cry 5, which made it so good, was it somehow tied a nice bow around 4 but made something else matter. And you already had a character in Dante who was basically a god at this point. And you still made him in his own fight that meant something. While you had all these other ancillary characters... That played very di three different characters, three playable characters. You constantly cycled through them. They all meet at the end, and something happens. They all played very differently. They all had their own story. They all had their own side cast of characters that helped them along their story. Um, and by the end, all three of them fought in their own way, and they all had their own challenges to overcome. And it was really well done. And one of the things that stands out to me in this game, besides the graphics and the gameplay, was the soundtrack was phenomenal. That was one of those games that, like, the Doom soundtrack, you find yourself, like, clenching your teeth. Like, you're so into it. It's so, like, your hands are shaking. It's just very, like, loud metal. But not just, like, metal for the sake of metal. It matches to the combat you're doing. It, it intensifies as the boss fights come up. It was a really, really good game, and I was shocked that it wasn't a game of the year. Uh, it wasn't, like honored more on this year's list. I, I don't know why. It came out in mid-March. I don't know if that had something to do with it. But uh, it seems like people largely forgot about it. Mm. I'm like, man, like this game is great. And it came to Game Pass almost immediately, which tells me it didn't sell well, which worries me a little bit. And then the last one on my list is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which um, I'm not a Call of Duty guy. I've never been a Call of Duty guy. But the fact that they took the time to build up a brand new game engine from scratch um, to include a very, very, very fun single-player campaign with those night vision levels, the fact that they brought back Captain Price, who's a fan favorite, the fact that they added so much stuff to do in the multiplayer space, so many game modes, so many game types, free DLC, new expansions, a lot of stuff they just kept piling on and piling on. And it's, they're still, they just added Season 1 yesterday. They did more maps, more guns. Like They're not stopping. Um, I think they really learned their lesson in the whole season pass thing. It's free. It's not like you have to pay for anything. You bought the game and now you're going to play it. So those are my five. There could be only one. And it is not Death Stranding. <laughs> uh, the game to me, the true game of the year, no doubt about it, Call of Duty. 100%. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Which wow. I would, if you had told me a year ago, Mr. Halo 5, <laughs> that Call of Duty would be my game of the year, I would How much Halo 5 have you played this year? Um, less than 10 hours. <laughs> I just, I don't play anymore. I think for me, I, I think what really makes the difference between from me, from Halo 5 to Call of Duty. I mean, the time to kill is very different. Yeah. Call of Duty is a very fast game. 
Halo 5, once you get to the end of your Spartan rank, which I am not there, but it would take me another six months of solid playing to get there, there's nothing to earn. There's no more emblems You've, to earn. You earned everything a long everything. time ago. I have everything. I'm not saying you won't get there with Call of Duty. It will happen. But I think the kill streak system, I think, helps a lot. The fact that you can prestige and reset and get unique guns and unique... The, 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 the progression will never end. It will never, ever end. There will always be something to chase. There will always be a new gun that you can unlock and start leveling up and get... Like, I've been playing exclusively with one gun. I'm about 100 hours into it. I played with one gun. I still don't have all the attachments for it yet. Then you look at the list and there's... 25 other guns and they the just same added, type, yeah. and they just added more so finding what you like leveling up getting all the stuff showing off your cool um your swag so to speak to everyone it's like oh i killed you with like a gun that had like a special trinket on it well you how'd you get that trinket well i got like 14 kills in one game like you're always able to hype up and show off your stuff halo once you got to that point reach is going to be the same way it's just Fun for fun's sake. Not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it does get boring. Hmm. Well, Reach was all about the story anyway. Yeah, but they had Reach the firefight was, mode. Reach was the first game to include that firefight mode, which was really a very you know groundbreaking in, a, in its time. Reach has not aged well. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I just did a video on it. I panned it because it's not that great. It could be great. It is not that great. Huh. Interesting. So... I, did you really think Death Stranding was going to be my game of the year? I haven't played enough of it to get... Yeah, I, I was wondering because I know you just kind of started it uh, last week or whatever, two weeks ago. I will say this. And, and there, were, there were people on reviews and stuff that I listened to that said like they were 40 or 50 hours in and the game had just started. Yeah. And that turned me off. I'm like, 40, 50 hours, I want at least to be halfway. Yeah. At that point, you know, like 40, 50 hours. That's a full... It's, some of these... Some of these it's like Call of Duty's campaign is about four hours, mm-hmm. four to five hours. But it was very... Uh, it was exciting. And I like there's a lot... There's some cool night vision maps in there. And they do some different... You know, the typical sniping where you got to adjust with the wind and all that kind of stuff. Like, they did a good job of it. So you can tell a, you can tell a good story in a short amount of time. I think, I think Devil May Cry was about seven hours. And it was a very good, tight seven hours. It didn't need anything else. I played it, I beat it, I will mm-hmm. play it again, but I remember it. So yeah, to hear that a game is going to take that long to get ramped up is kind of like a big turnoff. I agree. Big predictions for next year. <sighs> okay. Two new consoles, a bunch of new games we probably haven't heard about yet. Here's my big predictions for next year. Sony is going to absolutely dominate Microsoft. That's my big prediction. If you Based thought, on what? If you thought the trouncing this year was bad, you better just wait. Next year, Sony's... I'm not going to say you're going to crush them. And I hope that's not true. I really hope they're still competitive. The market thrives on competition. I've always said that. I'm glad Microsoft's around. They play an important role. I'm super excited for Halo Infinite. Super excited. Beyond hype levels. That's my number one most anticipated game by far in a long shot. Uh, the reason I think Sony's going to do so well is, and I know you're not a fan of them, but their first party, their first party lineup and the, lay, the way they've laid out potential sequels for all of their major franchises is going to be a year of dreams. You are going to see, you're definitely going to see. You know, we got Last of Us coming out. Um, I know you're going to have a, a you're going to have expansions and add-ons to all these great games we've already seen. You're going to have another Horizon game, even though it wasn't be- great. It, there's there's roots that are laid there that Microsoft just cannot compete with, 
And when you have games like Game Pass or PlayStation Now or Origin Access Premier or Ubisoft's uh, service, I'm sure Bethesda's probably going to mm-hmm. start one soon too, you really kind of can play your game anywhere now. It doesn't really matter. It really comes down to what the platform is offering. And PlayStation, I think, is just, I, I think they're poised to just dominate first party mm-hmm. games again. And maybe with all these acquisitions, Microsoft will start turning it around. I mean, The Outer Worlds was phenomenal. It wasn't even on my list because it was short and it was kind of an indie game. But if you gave that game the attention you give a full Bethesda game, like a Fallout game, I think that a sequel could be phenomenal. Interesting. I also think xCloud is going to be like backward compatibility. It's going to be something that's nice but no one cares about. Yeah. I hope they... Well, I guess backward compatibility is over. Like... They said they're not doing any more games. They're focusing on Scarlet earlier this year, which I was surprised by. I was like, so if Scarlet comes out though and it says, "Hey, all your controllers, all your games, all your services just work," that's a pretty big deal. I think so, and especially with as much as backwards compatibility games I've got just from being part of Gold. I mean, it's a huge, yeah, huge amount. I don't know. I, I wonder. Um, I guess the the part of me that looks at how the PlayStation Pro came out mm-hmm. and how the Xbox One X came out within a year of each other, right? Were they the same year or different years? Same. I think they were different. The Pro and the X? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the X came out... Well, the Pro came out like in the First, holiday yeah. and, and then X came out like seven months ago. Right. So okay. technically, like, different years. Two different years. So I'm looking at... And based off that, seems to me that the hardware team at... Microsoft seems to be better than Sony because Sony, you're talking about 4K, you're talking about all this other stuff when Sony's Pro machine cannot push true 4K. Right. It's all checkerboarding. It's all shortcuts basically to get to 4K. And, you know, they've got HDR, but they they don't have a Blu-ray player, HD HD Blu-ray player in there, um, which strikes me as strange. And then Microsoft comes out with the S, has the 4K built in there. So they're already kind of looking towards 4K. And then you come out with the X, which it does true 4K at 30 frames, sometimes 60, depending on the game. And it's liquid-cooled and silent. Yes, 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 and yes, all that. The hard drive, it's a phenomenal piece of hardware. It's got a solid-state drive in it, right? It does. So you look at all these things, and it's like, wow, Microsoft really... They know what they're doing. They kicked down the door in terms of uh, a refresh box, an upgrade, a worthy upgrade to make people buy another one, which we did. Sony's you know? hardware has always been crap. We did. It's and, always been crap. And everybody wants to, you know, give pr- praise to Mark Cerny or whatever, and it's like, well, is he really a praise? Because he couldn't make a pro machine that kicked out 4K right. before 4K really came about. So... Is there a PlayStation 5 going to finally be... Like, what I'm curious about is, is it going to be on the level of the X? Right. And or is it going to be like the X gonna, Whatever comes after the X, the next Xbox, the Scarlet, is actually going to be ahead of it, you know? And But if that is the case, props to Microsoft. Right. But how do you price that in a console war where they're looked at as equals... And still beat right. Sony on price when really they're making last year's box that you already put out. You really look at the form. We were talking earlier about... But Sony's all about... We've heard about both of them. And Sony's all about the solid state drive and all this other stuff. But I wasn't hearing like tech specs the way that um, Scorpio dropped the 
whatever that buzzword was of uh, power. Start with an N or M something. For power? I don't. I don't know. It, like graphical power. Oh, um, teraflops. Teraflops. Remember that teraflops word? There was like 1.4 teraflops on the fucking My computer Pro. has like a billion. And, and then um, Microsoft comes out and we're like, six teraflops! Woo! And no one knows what it is, but they heard way more than PlayStation had. You look at, we were talking earlier about superhero games and how simple is it to make a good superhero game. And clearly it's a challenge. And I say the same thing. I say every year we do these prediction podcasts for the next year. How hard is it to beat Sony? It's very easy. You make good games and make good hardware, and you win. And every year, Microsoft cannot get that right. I don't know why. It feels like with Phil in charge of this console, he knows that the public doesn't want Kinect. We're not going to get that anymore. That's been killed and shot out back. We're not doing the all-in-one TV console thing. I don't know if anybody actually uses that. Um, If they do, they might keep it, but like they could done away with the snapping apps and stuff a long time ago. Like they made it a game machine. The Xbox is slowly transitioned into a games only machine. Correct. The way people wanted it to be, the way the 360 was. So I think it's safe to say Microsoft is definitely dominating on the hardware front. Not only just in how great the X is put together. Software too for making backwards compatible for digital games. Well, I'd like to see Sony do that. Good luck. I agree. No, I, I think there's. I think the pieces are there, but they still don't have the laundry list of first-party games that Sony does to compete. Halo can only carry you so far. Gears was fun, but it's it's done. No one cares about Gears mm-hmm. anymore. We played it. We moved on. And Sony, in the same way, no one's still talking about the original Last of Us anymore. But we know we're getting another one. So I'm wondering so you have what a the list of twenty games. You're always going to have something new. So I'm seeing. Microsoft bought all these studios in which you had like the girls, the people who made um, the Voices in My Head game, the Viking Girl. They bought that studio, Ninja Theory. Oh, Ninja! They Theory. bought Ninja Theory. Voices in My Head. The girl who's going schizophrenic. Hellblade. Hellblade. Sacrifice, yes, uh, which they, is a phenomenal. They game. bought that studio like a couple years after they released that game, so they're probably working on something. So they bought that IP, I presume, or all that IP. Um, so I'm presuming that there's going to be a game from them, and maybe at launch. I don't know if they're the same people that's working on Bleeding Edge or not. I don't think so. Um, they might be. Um, but but I see what you're saying. But Microsoft's positioning itself w- with the killer app thing again that launched the original Xbox, Halo. Yeah. Right. They're saying Halo Infinite is a launch title on Scarlet, basically. Yeah. And you haven't seen anything from Sony to say. Right. I would think it would be smart of them to say Last of Us 2, push back, launch title on PlayStation 5. Mac 3. Or <laughs> or uh, what's the Shadows of Tsushima, Tales of Tsushima, the Samurai game. Ghosts of Tsushima. Ghosts of whatever. It's supposed to be coming out before Wait. PlayStation 5? We don't know. I would think that you would want to say, okay, here's our two big guns. Here's Last of Us 2. The most acclaimed game of last generation, and Ghost of Tsushima, a game no one can pronounce. <laughs> Ghost. It was called Toss, T-O-S, or Goss, G-O-S. And, and um, have those be launch games, because you well, have Halo is this, I mean, it was, I guess, a monstrosity of power, and if they can pivot away from the story mistakes they did and keep the multiplayer and the gameplay... 
strides that they made. They hyped up so much. I mean, think about the amount of money that Gear spent on advertising. And it's still no one's thinking about it anymore because no of Jedi. And no one cares. And Gears has a very competitive multiplayer scene. Gears um, has a lot of... They did a partnership with Terminator. They did a partnership, a crossover with Halo. I mean, freaking you could play as Cat inside of... I mean, how cool is that? Cat and Emil are in there? That's phenomenal. Sarah Connor's in there. That's phenomenal. The amount of hype they did that they dedicated multiple E3s, multiple XOs to this event, hyped it up, special limited edition controller, special console, special hardware, keyboard, mouse support, coming over to Game Pass, day and date on PC... Everything they did to this game, it came out. It was great. Clearly, it's one of my game of the years. But I'm not playing it anymore. So what has Microsoft got to do to just make a game that stays relevant in the way that some of these other games are still relevant? Call of Duty is still a relevant game. And I'm talking two or three Call of Duties ago. Still a very active mm-hmm. fan base. Probably more so than Gears 5 right now. Probably. So I'm wondering if this... Um Scarlet event's going to show lots of hardware, but lots of games. Hey, we told you we bought these 13 studios. Well, Here's what they're working on. Preview, 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 preview. Last and year. Sony will probably have the same chance to do the same thing because we didn't have an E3 from them this year to see what's coming after last these e- other games. Last E3, what did Microsoft have, like 51 new games? Yes. A Can whole you lot. name five of them? Because I can't. No. That's, my, that's my point. A lot of them were the Game Pass games that's what i'm worried about and i already have i'm I'm a game pass guy for life i mean i will always have game pass i love it but it's they're just a little like oh that's cute i'll play age empires for a couple hours delete i'll play this game for a couple hours delete it's there i don't know what it is with sony but there's something about sony that just their games seem to transcend time and they just become games that we, we people still talk about I swear, if Sony comes out on... I'm going to laugh and then cry. I don't know which one will happen first. If Sony comes out... I assume they're going to be at E3 this year. Is that a fair assumption? They're coming E3? If you got to sell a console, yeah, I think, I think so. I think they're coming back. Let's say they have a press conference. They right? rent out the entire West Hall at E3. <laughs> Are you going to go? Let's say... I would. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. I think I'm kind of E3'd up. We'll see. Let's say they have the entire E3, they have the press conference, they're talking about the hardware. You know, Microsoft goes first, so we've already blown their, they've blown their wad. We're all excited. We've seen gameplay now of Halo Infinite. We've seen the console. Here's the controller. Here's the price point. Hopefully, all three of those things, 10 out of 10. That's what I'm hoping. The dumbest thing Microsoft could do would be not make all your controllers. Oh, yes. Your Elite Volume 2 comes out this year. You're going to have think a new console next year? They sh- all should been, work. They've been pretty clear that they're going to keep the same design. But my point is, it comes out, it's well, revolutionary. Phil Spencer tweeted last night, he's playing the Scarlet with his yep. Elite controller. So there you go, right? It's everybody, dev- so the, 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 the dust settles, and now everybody turns to see what Microsoft, or what Sony's going to do. Sony comes out on stage. I don't know who the CEO is anymore. We've gone through them like water. That's the other thing that worries me. That all those oh, yeah. guys have left Why? Sony, right? And 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 they all want to say like it's different or whatever. But that one guy that still left that didn't have a press release that like um, Greg on kind of funny was saying like this is very weird of Sony to just announce in a tweet that someone this big in the company has left the company. Yeah, Sean Layton just drops off the face of the earth. Shuhei drops off the face. Of, well, he gets demoted or side loaded. Oh, fucking whatever. dumb. So here's what I'm getting at. Sony's going to... We know Microsoft... So I'm wondering if there's something up at Sony. There's something that smells bad. Well, here's what I'm on. And this is going to shoot them in the foot. That's... Okay, so Sony did this from three to from two to three. 
Two is one of the greatest platforms ever. Three comes out, they just shit the bed. Here's my question. Microsoft comes out, we see the press conference, everybody's salivating at the mouth, pre-orders are going wild, Hulkamania's running wild. Same controllers. Game Damn. Pass on everything. Backward compatibility. Backwards compatibility streaming. for everything. Free home console streaming. And then we turn we turn to the Sony stage. 4K 60 on every game to start. Then, then we all turn to the Sony stage, and all they do is they reveal the curtain and who's standing there. Hideo Kojima. And they go, he is only making games for his platform. I'm telling you, they fucking won. <laughs> it's all they have to do. That's what I'm saying. You can't beat the machine. I. That's why I'm saying there's no. But it's a crap game. What the hell? It's a good game. Yeah. Oh come on. I just said it was one. Of a my good games. game that you gotta spend forty hours to do before the story opens I'll pick up. Get up on the story now. Come on. Oh, we're gonna play it after this, and you're gonna eat your words. We're gonna live stream it. No. 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 <laughs> Listen. Here's what I'm. Here's what I'm saying. I think that Sony has so many great development studios and so many partnerships in place. I don't think it's possible for Microsoft to win. I don't. I, and I want to be wrong. I want to eat crow so bad. I really, really do. I don't think it's well, Microsoft bought all these artsy studios. I think you're going to see I some more so. artsy games the way that Sony which, has. You, know, you look at some of the other kind of Microsoft exclusive games like We Happy Few, which wasn't really well received. But you know what? That was really built up. That was by Compulsion Studios. They were they made some great games. And what happened? I don't know. Maybe that was still the transition from uh, Don Matrick to Phil. This is truly Phil's ship. Clearly filled with. I don't think Don Matrick was involved. Playground Games is apparently making something else besides Forza Horizon now. I hope so. You know, I I think Don Matrick's reign ended really with. I don't think he was even involved in the S. I could be wrong. The Xbox One S. I don't think so. But this has really been Phil's thing from the beginning. And I have to say, since Phil has been on board, he made me a believer in Microsoft. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? You've worked your magic. You've brought us an elite controller. You've taken away Connect. You've taken away... Two elites. Two elites, yeah. You've taken away a lot of stuff that we're not happy about, and you've brought us some phenomenal experiences. You gave us Game Pass. You made it a real thing. Because I remember him talking about Game Pass on that IGN Unlock like four years ago. He did a review, or he did an interview with uh, McCaffrey, Ryan mm-hmm. McCaffrey. And talking about Netflix games, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talked about, I think there's, a, he goes, well, we have Origin EA Access, but I think there's a space for us. I mean, so he he's definitely visionary. And when I heard that, I'm like, that's dumb. Who's going to pay for that? And here I am, like, game pass, pollution all over myself. I love it. So I have faith if anybody can do it, it's him. But, man, it is, you're going up as a juggernaut. Like, Last of Us is a console seller. Ghost of Shizima, a console Wait, seller. Wait, who? Ghost of what? Shizima? Nope. Is that how you say it? I think it's Tsushima. Tsushima. Ghost console seller. <laughs> if Kojima makes another game, if he does make a Silent Hill sequel, that's a system seller. It is. Uh, so, yes, you have Halo. Phenomenal game. But is Halo, an- is the Master Chief strong enough to take out Sony? I don't think he is. It's clear that the Sony bias has permeated oh, yeah. video game journalism and society. Oh, I agree. To where Gears 5 is a great game. It wasn't even, not even a contender. When I saw that... It couldn't even be a contender. When I saw that Gears wasn't on the game of the game of the year list, that was very frustrating. More than... Everybody's complaining about Fallen Order not being on that list. Nobody was talking about Gears not being on that list. I don't think Fallen Order made the cut anywhere, did it? I think it was too soon. No, it it came out too late. But that was the thing. Well, you'll see it next year. Nobody was... um, 
We'll, we'll, we'll see it next. Gears came out, and everybody's like, this is a game of the year contender. This is a game of the year contender. I this is the game of the year contender. If you go back... Are anybody else talking about Gears 5 now? No. If you go back and watch my Gears 5 oh, I know you said it. I said it then. I said, this is right now. If I had to pick today, this is my game of the year. And then I played Modern Warfare. I changed everything. But if I beat Death Stranding, I might come back later and we might do an addendum. <laughs> addendum. I'm not putting up your fucking addendum <laughs> if it's Death Stranding. You can email it to me. I'm not going to put it up. It would delete it's it. like, nope. <laughs> Just me In the it. canon of BK's bullets, <laughs> Death Stranding is not game of the year 2019. You'll, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. You shall see. All these people can't be wrong that Kojima knows what he's doing. They can't be. They can't. It's impossible. Look. Who's like everybody makes fun of Rob Liefeld? I mean, no one's untouchable, but Kojima is untouchable. He is. Untouchable. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I, that's what really my biggest prediction, really though. I think is that Sony's going to, Sony's really going to just own it, and I want to be wrong. I don't know. Who knows? We shall see. We've said it all. We've said it all. I have spoken. That's what it is. I have spoken. I have spoken. I have spoken. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Check Jim Fanis out on YouTube. Yes. Thanks for host. Uh, thanks for coming over and us allowing to record this. Hopefully, as we say every year, I am always interested in doing this more often. I don't even do. You, you may or may not notice. I never even do my games of the year on my YouTube channel because I always. I know. You always do it here. So, and probably people are like, man, this guy does great videos, and then he just goes dark. <laughs> Nobody knows. Goes dark at Christmas so time. I will, I will promote this, just the link. I'll be a quick video promoting this, but yes. Hopefully we do more, but I understand you're a busy man. The kids take a long time. And, they, and as the kids start walking around and interacting well, I'm, with them. I'm playing so little that, it, you know. Yeah, well, there's always something to talk about. We talk about it at work. I think it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bug our office. We do. Uh, but yeah, I think there will be more uh, more things to talk about next year with their, all the reveals and stuff. I'm excited. Well, maybe we'll do a special episode after. And if you stick around for E3 this year instead of flying off on me, I'll be here. I'm not going. We can anywhere. do more. I'm we can do a post E3 wrap. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Hey, guess what? I went to we'll get see. the fan fest. <laughs> yeah. Be gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that we, it was cool. I, I think I'm done with it though. We'll see. Who knows? Yeah. They will be playing Death Stranding. <laughs> You'll still be playing Death Stranding. The story this time is next just year. picking up. Wow, 190 <laughs> hours in, it's just hitting its stride. It's a slow. I finally can work the motorcycle. <laughs> you thought the long Halloween was a slow burn. Boy, oh boy, <laughs> you got something coming. We're 900 pages. Slow burn. Batman's fighting villains throughout that thing. Come on. All right. All right. All right. Thank you guys for listening. You can catch me on YouTube talking comics. Yes. BK's Bullets is the name of the channel. You can catch. Viper Magic, Mr. Jim Afanis over here on YouTube talking video games. That's the place he goes. If you want to see him, check out Viper Magic. V-Y-P-E-R-M-A-J-I-K. Viper Magic. World-class branding. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time on the other side. Or the funny pages. Bye. How long was that?